None of us are having politically correct, socially acceptable fantasies. If you are, I would say you're not trying hard enough. If all of your fantasies are socially acceptable, A, I don't believe you, and B, I don't think your sex life is that good. Welcome back to Not For Everyone. It is 11 p.m. This is your host, Caroline. This is one of your hosts. Jess has abandoned me to enjoy her life. She's off enjoying her life on vacation right now. And we all at once applaud her and condemn her to death. That is a joke, but I don't know what this episode is going to be. It's 11 p.m., And I am leaving for a flight to Jamaica in like five hours. I think 4 a.m. is the Uber. I have not packed. I have not recorded the podcast. I'm about 12 seconds in. Haven't edited the podcast. And I haven't finished uploading a YouTube video for a sponsor yet. So uh, my course of action was I'm just going to sit down and record the pod. And I'm going to channel the frantic energy inside of me. I also needed a shower, so I grabbed a handful of Swedish fish, took them in the shower with me, got a little sugar rush going. I just also, I also spent about 30 minutes trying to check in for my flight on my phone, and I feel pretty sour about that, so I'm pretty confused about the online flight check-in, because it's taking me longer to do it on my phone than in person. I mean, in per- like, is it taking you guys more than like 48 seconds to check in in person at the airport? Like when you just go to the little, what's it called, little machine and you print your ticket, it's like 43 seconds max, right? I think I'm not getting what the hype is about doing the pre-check-in. You get a, ch- you get a text from United Airlines three days before your flight saying you can check in. Or I could just keep living my life, right? And check in. It would actually probably be faster if I did it in person. Because if you have... The thing that's time intensive is checking a bag, which I can't do for my phone. Can't do that for my phone. That's got to happen at the airport anyway. Right? What am I missing here? Is it taking y'all more than like 27 seconds to print your ticket from the machine at the airport? I have a complaint to file with everyone who wants me to check in on my phone. I don't think I really get it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it reluctantly. Like so many things in my life, I'm doing it. I don't know why. I have to catch a flight in like five hours. It's 11 p.m. I'm going to Jamaica with my my dear beloved, <laughs> Ashley. Dear beloved makes it sound like she's dead. She is not. She's totally a friend who is real and she's alive. So joke's on you. I am going to kick this off with an annoyance of sorts. I was listening to this song the other day by The Weeknd, Die For You. Great song. Great song. Can I insert it here? Or actually, I'm just going to play it from my phone because I'm lazy. Perfect, 
Okay, that's enough. That's enough. The weekend. What do people call him? What do you, what do people call him? Do people address him the weekend or do they call him weekend? Mr. Weekend? Like when he's at like a concert after party or people being like, hey, the weekend. Probably. Okay, just to be clear, let me repeat back some of those lyrics, right? First of all, great song. Great song. Let me repeat back some of these lyrics because they really got me fired up. I'm finding ways to articulate this feeling I'm going through. I just can't say that I don't love you because I love you. Yeah. It ain't working because you're perfect. And I know that you're worth it. I can't walk away. Oh, even though we're going through it, if it makes you feel alone, just know that I would die for you. Baby, I would die for you. Yeah. I would die for you. I would lie for you. I would kill for you, my baby. Na 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 na, na na na, na na na, etc. Okay, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Amazing song. And songs like poetry are written as a persona. So I'm going to share a little bit of a hot take here. This hot take is not about the weekend, okay? This hot take is about the persona of the dude singing in this song. The character of this song. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you fucking what. This dude sucks so hard. This dude sucks so hard. We've all dated this dude. This dude, I, I love you, but it, it's not working because you're perfect. First of all, what the fuck does that mean? What the fuck do you even mean by I love you? It just made me think about the term I love you. This is something I've been like, sh- I struggle with a lot. There's so many different ways to sincerely love someone and we all have like different definitions of what that means and we can all say it sincerely and mean genuinely different things and I think I've spent a lot of my life trying to figure out like well what what do you mean when you say I love you what does it mean and I just don't even think it matters like it doesn't matter because this fucking dude this fucking dude is standing there saying I love you I would die for you. I would lie for you. You're perfect, but this fucking relationship is painful as fuck, and these are all the reasons that I'm sucking to date. This dude, like, I don't care. I don't care if you say you love me. Like, I literally don't care. It's just like, what do you do? Words are so cheap. Words are so cheap, and it's such a big deal. I think we make it such a big deal to say these words, but, like, they're so cheap. It doesn't matter. What, what do you actually do? What is it like? to have you in my life? What does it feel like to have a friendship, a relationship, any kind of relationship with you? Does it suck all day, but then you say, I love you? That's probably not going to be enough. I would die for you. Dude, that is not what I asked. What the fuck do you think I asked? Who is asking you to die for me? Can you just text me back? First of all, let me tell you what, this dude 100% has a substance abuse problem. He's coming home at 6 a.m., covered in blood, and he's lying about it. I looked at the music. They are showing a clip of the music video when you play the song on Spotify, and there's a dude with a bloodied bandaged nose. I knew that this dude was covered in blood before I even watched the video. I've dated this dude, right? I've met this dude. First of all, you're perfect. Don't ever tell me I'm perfect. You're an idiot. You're a fucking idiot if you think I'm perfect. And you don't think that, but you think that I'm an idiot? That that's going to, like, do it for me? I need to hear him say that I'm perfect. Joke's on you, dude. I know I'm trash. So 
That one's not going to work here. I would die for you. Bitch, I just want you to like come meet my friends for a drink. What is this I would die for you shit? Like, can you just like text me back when you say you're going to text me back? I would die for you. Like, you are so dramatic. You are so dramatic. And you're always saying I'm the drama. You're the fucking drama, bro. I would die for you. I would lie for you. Why do you keep saying this shit? That is so annoying. Are you fucking out there fucking telling people? Are you fucking out there lying and saying it's for me? Because that's weird. It is weird. And honestly, it's annoying. If you fucking, if you fucking start killing people and saying you did it for me, I'm going to be, I'm honestly going to be pissed. I would die for you, bitch. Do you want to meet my family or not? Like, you stop it. Stop doing this weird shit. And I know this guy. I know this fucking guy who's like, what does he, what does he mean when he says I love you? It's something extreme and it's something passionate and it's not, I want to text you back on time and it's not, I'm going to like show up to the things that I say I'm going to show up to. It's not that I'm going to be faithful to you. It's not that I'm not going to cheat on you, but I do love you. And I like believe, I like believe that this dude means it. I believe he means it. Listen, this is who I dated. This is so far in the rear view for me. But this is who I dated when I was like 21. And y'all, that situation was kooky, okay? Not my best days. It's so far back that I really can laugh of it, laugh at it right now. But hearing this captured in like a top 40 song and blasted out to teenagers and tw- impressionable 20 year olds around the world just makes me want to be like y'all wait (laughs) this is not good this is not what you're looking for this is not what you want you don't want a guy who says he will die for you I want you to treasure your own life and to have like good boundaries and when you say I'm interested in defining the relationship talking about what this means to you and he says I can't talk about it but I would die for you that's not good That's not a good answer. I would die for you. Dude, I just asked if you're going to make it to dinner tonight, okay? Just have a little fucking chill. The fuck? This is not a love song. This is such a weird love song. First of all, this song is a banger. I love this song. Have you listened to the recent cover The Weekend Did of Creepin'? Oh my god. I'm playing it on repeat. Love The Weekend. Love Mr. Weekend. This song is driving me crazy, though. Got some listener questions. You guys sent in questions. And I'm going to address some of it. First of all, first the heck of all, what is this? I had to read this one like eight times. What a do. Somebody sent in a what a do. What a do when the skank your dad cheats on your mom with follows you on Insta. Okay, before I answer this, what to do, let me just say, I really don't have a good answer to this. I chose this because I read this about 12 different times as what to do when your skank dad cheats on your mom with follows you on Insta. And I didn't, I, first of all, I didn't understand the sentence, but I was really hung up. I was really hung up on the amazing phrasing of your skank dad. That's one of the funniest things I've mad at my dad I'm gonna call him a skank that's so funny to me I'm just imagining like your mother your scorned 
beautiful mother just being, well, you're skank dad. That is funny to me, but that is not what she wrote. What she wrote is kind of tragic. What to do when the skank that your dad cheats on your mom with follows you on Instagram? Weird move. Weird move from said skank, I guess. It sucks. I don't have a good answer for this. I guess it. what really sucks there is just being the kid stuck in the middle. Like, it's so weird how parents start using their kids as pawns, like for all different things, but especially in a divorce or some drama or all the time. That's what really sucks is being stuck in the middle. I've experienced being stuck in the middle of my parents and not wanting to take, like both of them wanting to take your side so badly. And it's like any, I've sat at a family dinner where I can't even look up because if I make eye contact with one of them, one of them is going to take it as me being on their team over something. And so I have to stare at my plate of food. You have to just look down. That's the only safe territory. And that's kind of the feeling. It's like when your parents or their, their skanks are using you as pawns and following you on Instagram or trying to get your approval or something. It's like you just have to like put your eyes down. You can't look at anyone. Try not to breathe and try not to exist to stay out of it. I mean, it's very unfair. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the situation is. I guess because I, I immediately want to say like you remove her follow. You remove her follow. That's probably what you do. That's probably what you do, right? You remove the follow. It sucks that you have to take any action that can then be misinterpreted or misconstrued by somebody as taking a side. But I don't just say remove that follow, dude. I don't have a lot of experience here, but I did want to read out Skank Dad. Someone wrote in a chat on how to not be annoyed by other people for little things and big things. Okay, I don't know who you think you're asking. Well, you're actually asking a great person because I struggle with this a lot. I struggle with this a lot. And not about petty complaints and things like most of the things that I talk about on the podcast, petty complaints, like those don't make me dislike or mistreat a person. It's the bigger, deeper things. For the most part, I really don't get upset at people holding different beliefs than me. I think that's a really common one for people. You know, they have different political beliefs, different religious beliefs, different whatever. That stuff doesn't bother me. I don't know. We all think different things. Maybe that's not what you're asking. I really keep a very diverse group of friends. I feel proud of that. I think when a lot of people say that like... "Mm, we're diverse. They're like just talking about gender or race, maybe. But they're not talking about like people who actually think in diverse ways. And I found a lot of value in friendships, like maintaining friendships with people who vote very differently from me or pray very differently from me or, um, yeah, like huge, seemingly huge different outlooks on life. I don't even know that I, it's not like I sought them out so wisely and like so enlightened. I was just in situations where that's who I was surrounded by. So you you become friends or you don't. And eventually learned how, like what a missed opportunity is to, I don't know, get to know people that you think you know everything about them. Yeah. So I, I, I feel very proud of keeping like a pretty genuinely diverse group of friends. You don't have to think the same stuff as me. You better have the same sense of humor. You better laugh at the right things or else I really don't know what we're going to do. Then we're probably not friends. But for the bigger things, 
how to not be annoyed at someone over the big things. I have some thoughts to share on that because it's something I am struggling with right now. There's somebody very close to me who, I mean, lives in that world of everything is the worst all the time, forever. Every zit is the worst day of their life. Everything's a fire, right? Everything's a fire. Every day is the worst day of your life. If you're telling me that every day of the past 15 years is the worst day of your life, then eventually I stop believing you and I stop caring. And presumably there's some times cropping up in there that are actually really hard times and I don't even have a way of knowing when you're actually like in need of support. I really struggle with this person. If you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh my God, is it me? It's not you because they don't listen to the podcast. And even if they did, it would be fine and they would know who it is because I've talked to them about it. It's, it's been so much and so long and they come to me for help so much and I'm kind of their person. I do feel like I'm the person closest to them and so I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to be their closest person who lets them down. And so instead, why we've talked about it a bit, being like, I, I really don't know what to say sometimes. I really don't know how to help you. And I'm worried. You know, you're, you're, you're sweating the small stuff. But I'm actually genuinely, genuinely worried for your happiness because it doesn't seem like you have the capacity to like feel joy when it comes up. And it's so shitty, but my reaction is to feel annoyed. I feel annoyed because I think because so much is asked of me, so much is asked of me, and I have given so much, so much, and it goes nowhere. Then you see it go nowhere. It's like somebody who like comes up to, you know, knocks on your door and is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but this is a huge emergency. I need to borrow $1,000. This is a huge fucking emergency. And you're like, oh my God, okay, that's crazy. Like, I, I think I can pull it together. Like, okay, here's $1,000. I hope everything goes okay. Next day they come back to your door and they're like, this is an emergency. I need to borrow $1,000. You don't even really hear about the last $1,000. It's just gone. You're not even really sure what it went towards. And then like, they need more. And it's just every day. And eventually when they knock on your door, you're like, What? that's how I show up. I show up annoyed. I show up annoyed after paying like a huge emotional price, a huge emotional investment. And I really struggle with it because I'm, I'm, I'm this person's close person. So if I let them down that way, then I have literally made their life worse. I've made their life worse. That's how I feel. I've made them, I've made their lives worse. I, whether it's, whether their expectation is fair or not, I have then gone and made their already difficult life, like they're having a hard time through life, and I've gone and I've just made it worse by snapping at them or by not hearing them or by not, like, at the very least, just shutting my mouth. So it's something I really struggle with. I'm actively struggling with it. And, of course, I love this person. So some of the things that I've learned, I'm not, I don't know if this is a perfect solution, But if you haven't already done it, like space is your friend. And I know when it's somebody you care about, if it's something that you're struggling with in a big way, it is probably someone you care about and love. And it's hard to take space. Like it's hard for me to trust 
that there will be a time we can reunite and be close. But it's true. Just like trust the space. Maybe it's just a little space. Maybe it's like a day of space, depending on how frequently you're in contact. You'll still reconvene. You'll still reunite. And you're going to be able to bring a better energy if you take the space. The other mantra I'm trying to live by, my God, it's so hard for me, is this idea of being on their team. And that doesn't mean I'm going to fix their problems. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to give them $1,000 anymore. But I'm on their team. And I'm rooting for them. And when they share a complaint, I can say, oh man, that really sucks. I'm on their team. I'm not trying to take them down. I'm not trying to show them the light. They're doing a thing. I'm not going to deplete myself over it, but I'm going to let them do their thing. In addition, we've also, like, I have had these moments of explicit conversation with this person of being like, I'm worried because of XYZ pattern. This is what I'm feeling in this dynamic, and I'm worried about you. So there's something direct and honest there, you know, in the right tone, in a caring, loving tone. And then beyond that, I don't know that they're capable of changing. I'm pretty sure that they're not. They're not, they're not going to change because I make them. Certainly not. That'll never happen. It's never happened in the history of the world. I'm not going to make them change. So in the meantime, like I said my piece, in the meantime, I'm trying so hard to just be on their team. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the time, that means muscling through it. <sighs> Literally, mechanically doing the nice thing. It's probably the most energy demanding, draining thing that I'm doing in my life right now is to just even go through the motions of saying the kind thing. Because the alternative was worse. Like snapping at them, hurting them, it's totally worse. And something that helps me sometimes, anytime I walk into, I think my brother gave me this tip. Bless my brother. Before walking into a stressful situation, this helps a lot with like family situations or somewhere where I'm primed to not show up as my best. Somewhere where I'm primed to show up as my worst self. Like, I'm already exhausted before I even get there. That thing really, like, oh, I'm going to go to this later and it's going to be terrible and I'm going to be terrible. Okay, take a, take a moment and <laughs> I'm going to sit down and I'm going to visualize myself seeing this person and being a terror. Snapping at them, ruining their day, telling them every negative thought I have, telling them what I really think, probably driving them to tears. Visualize seeing it through. And how do you feel at the end of that? What does it look like at the end of that? I personally always wish I could take it all back. I wish I could take it all back. It's the worst. And you kind of walk through the visualization of acting on your impulse. You can like get it out of your system a little bit. And it mostly refocuses me on like how much I actually really don't want to do that to, to this person. So that kind of helps. Focus on the negative is my advice. Basically focus on the negative. But genuinely, like it's reminding yourself you're, that you're probably, the reason you're annoyed at this person is actually because you care about them. If it's someone you don't care about and you're annoyed at them, then like don't be friends with them. That's pretty easy. Like why are you friends with someone that you don't care about in any way? And one of the biggest things I've learned that I see a lot of people struggling with, and I, it's, it's one of my biggest struggles. So I'm including myself in this. Uh, so tough. Stop trying to teach people. Stop trying to teach everybody. Stop trying to teach people who don't want to be taught by you. 
I see this so much and I'm it's like a core struggle of mine. I think I'm way better at it now, but it used to be like a core struggle of mine. Trying to always like enlighten people around me. Well, I know how you should be. I know, you know, the fatal flaw, the Grecian tragedy that you're living out. Let me just enlighten you. Let me show you why you're creating so much unhappiness for yourself. So like the core of it is genuinely that I believe if they could really hear me, they would be happier. But what it ignores is that A, before you give anyone advice or feedback, you need to check if they're interested in your fucking feedback. Are they interested in your advice? A lot of the time it's no. I'd say most of the time it's no. And the other thing you're missing there is that like this, it's, it's really like, it's my own control issue. This idea that like everything will only be well if I make it well. Everything will only be enlightened if I make people enlightened. As opposed to embracing the fact that like people are going to learn at their own rates. People are going to learn in their own time when they're ready to learn the lesson. They've got something maybe they need to go through still before they get to learn that lesson. And I also don't have the answers for everybody. And and there's, there's so little that you can actually just teach in words. Like people need experience. Even if, even if you share the advice, share the wisdom, and the person hears you and is willing and listens, they pretty much still need to internalize the actual experience of it. So I've worked a lot and like, so hard. I, have, I groan every time I say it because it's so hard for me. Stop trying to teach people. Unless you have a podcast and everyone is held hostage and they can't leave and they send you a question, then they're A, interested in your feedback, and B... I guess they can leave the podcast if they want. But that is, that's one of the biggest lessons I've really been struggling with. And um, it also, like, it preserves your energy. You know, people like to say that, preserve your energy, protect your peace. It's annoying to say, and it's true as heck. Protect your peace. And obviously there's, like, a difference between just totally disengaging from people you love, giving up, abandoning them. That's what's hard. That's what's so hard. It's like there's this, there's, like, abandoning people, saying, fuck off, I don't care what happens to you. There's trying to like over micromanage and control them because I know what's best. And then there's this tiny little space in between where you stay engaged and you stay loving them and you let them figure out their own life. And it's really hard to stay in that space. It feels very narrow to me and it feels very uncomfortable. But that's basically what I'm aiming for. I don't know. This is the stuff I'm working on. Obviously, no one should live their life in the, ma- in the way that I do. Because I haven't really figured anything out, but these are the things that have helped me, at least. Somebody just wrote, when I asked for topics they won't discuss, somebody just wrote, sexuality, always been straight? Or did you ever have a gay time? Thoughts on heteronormativity? Um, yeah, I'm pretty straight. I am pretty straight. I am pretty straight. But there's like one or two people... There are one or two gals, these are specific gals, that sometimes I just want to kiss them. And it doesn't feel gay to me. Uh, And I don't know if all the lesbians are screaming right now and being like, okay, you're gay. But it doesn't feel gay to me. I think it's just because I like love these people. But but why do I sometimes want to kiss? It's like literally two people. And I'm never going to say who. That whenever I see them, sometimes I just want to kiss them. And I'm like, is this who I'd be into if I was gay? I feel like as far as the spectrum of sexuality goes, I am pretty much straight. I'm pretty much all the way at the straight side. But there's like two people I want to kiss. 
I actually can't remember who the second one is. There's at least one person I want to kiss. <laughs> one girl I want to kiss. I'll never say who. I'll never say who. I'll never say who. But I do wonder if she wants to kiss me. Obviously, I wonder that. And it's so interesting because I don't think she's like the hottest person I know. I just like love who she is. I also think she's cute as a button. But I just love who she is. Okay, maybe I'm gay. I'm rethinking things. <laughs> what else should we do? God, okay. I did not think about that before answering. I, I think I'm straight. Somebody literally wrote in, this is so silly. Somebody wrote in, ranking guys you would swipe left on based on their name alone. And then she wrote, Harry? She wrote two names. She wrote Harry and she wrote Justin, which is silly, which is silly because she sent this in before I had shared about my boyfriend. I just did a hard launch on Instagram of my boyfriend whose name is Justin. And this, this Instagram poll occurred a day before any of that fucking hard launch shit. Also, I called it a soft launch because I didn't know there was such a thing as a hard launch. I guess I don't, I didn't understand what a launch was. And a lot of people were like, this is a hard launch. And they made me feel stupid about it. Harry and Justin, did you literally just choose these names out of thin air? Tell you what, I'm gonna say Justin. That is weird as heck, dog. But yeah, I just posted that today. That happened today. I shared, I shared my hard launch of my boyfriend. God, shoot me in the face. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? I was so excited to do it. I just wanted to share. I just wanted to share such cute pics of us. And I'm um, and I'm intolerable right now. I'm completely intolerable. I'm in love. And I was um, you know, not sharing. Whatever. There's a lot of reasons not to share. Things you want to protect. Like anything I share, usually on, whether in the podcast or on YouTube, it's all, it always has some space to it. Like I'm, I'm not usually live processing it. I've, I've learned that it's best not to share something you're live processing for a bunch of reasons. You got to give yourself space to process stuff. And also your feelings change so quickly that like if I pre-recorded a video like a month ago, by the time I release it, uh, everything might have changed that situation. That's happened to me a lot and it just creates confusion. I still do it sometimes, but usually the stuff I share is a bit in the rear view by the time I share it. So there are reasons not to share things, but I, I shared about, I shared about my boyfriend Justin. Oh, I cannot, I can't say it. I can't say it not in that voice. But I just had this feeling I was like in love and I just wanted to post it. And then mostly I realized I wasn't posting anything because I was like, well, what if it goes away? Right? Like nothing's guaranteed. It's very new. It's a very new relationship. Like literally nothing's guaranteed. We're still getting to know each other. This is, He's basically a stranger. He's basically a stranger I kiss. And I'm a stranger to him. And then we hold hands. Like that's what a boyfriend is after two months. Like you're strangers. Unless you were like friends for 10 years before, we're strangers. But we just like to hold hands. And, you know, there are no guarantees. That's what dating is. It's uh, figuring that shit out. Even if you've been married for 10 years, there are no guarantees. And I found myself, I found myself like wanting to share a photo or something sweet or just something to like express this thing 
that has made me so happy recently. And then I saw myself like not doing it. And I saw the reason was because, well, what if I, what if all goes away? Fucking so what then? Like then so what? Literally, if it all goes away, I'll probably be sad. And I don't think whether I've posted about it on Instagram is going to like couch whether or not I'm sad. The only thing an Instagram post will will <laughs> uh, make me vulnerable to is like a little public embarrassment. Oh, well, now I shared it and like now the relationship's over. That's a little embarrassing. I don't know how else to say that like embarrassment just doesn't stop me anymore. My life has gotten so much better <laughs> once I started doing embarrassing things. Literally everything about my life is embarrassing. I have a YouTube channel. I don't know how else to say it. As soon as I started doing embarrassing things, not deciding that they weren't embarrassing, but deciding that the consequences and the price of embarrassment was actually nothing. What is embarrassment? It's just like thoughts in your head that you have about like hypothetical thoughts that other people might have about you in the future. Like that's it. it there's nothing there. It's not real. And so once I realized that, I was like, oh, I guess I'm afraid of it ending then. And then I posted about it and that's embarrassing. Who cares, dude? I'm having so much fun just like being in love and sharing it. And it's so rare. And I'm so annoying. I'm so annoying. I can hardly tolerate myself. But I just wanted to share that. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm just choosing not to post about it because I don't want to be embarrassed if it ends. And then I was like, okay, if this relationship ends, I'm sure that'll suck. I think it'll suck. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be like in a better mood just because I'm like, well, I'm so glad I didn't spend time celebrating it while it was good. What? What? That's something I've done with YouTube too. Like when things are going really well on YouTube, I, I like have like total meltdowns and I can't celebrate it at all because I'm afraid of it ending. Well, what if it ends? Well, I don't want to get my hopes up and then it's going to end. Well, good for you getting ahead of it and just acting like it's ended while it was actually doing well. The, like who, what? Is that a win? Is that a win that the whole time things were actually good? Which, no, it won't last forever because nothing lasts forever. The whole time that things were good, you just were acting depressive, as depressive as if things were really bad. Is that better? Did you Do you feel like you won? Because I don't feel like you won. It's a very weird instinct that I have. I mean, I think a lot of us have it. It's pretty human, which is why I wanted to share about it. Yeah, like, I don't know. If stuff ends, it'll probably be sad. And I don't think it's going to be less sad because you can look back and be like, well, at least I never celebrated what was good. What? No. So I just shared about it. Anyhow, the end. Um, I mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier um, being on people's team, try to be on people's team. And that is one of one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight eight items that I have on a to-do list. I have a to-do list. It's not a to-do list. It's a reminder. I wrote on the back of a piece of wallpaper, a wallpaper sample in my living room. And these are like eight life to-do list items for this year that I've been working on every day. Every day I need to be working on these. These apply to like basically every area of my life. And, um, and I'm going to share them right now on the podcast. Wow. Nobody cares, Caroline. Okay. 
<sighs> okay, well, somewhere on here, number six is really being on people's team, especially for my top people. No need to teach, fix, or enlighten. Just be on their team. Silence is okay. That's a big one I've been working on. Am I good at it? Absolutely not. That's number six. Number one is speak the truth. No matter what, speak the truth. Don't change it to make anyone feel better. The goal is the truth. We surrender the results. Just say what's true. Just say what's true. This is not a reaction to having a lying problem. This is a reaction to worrying about how people will receive stuff. You just say what's true. I don't know. I feel like there's never anything too wrong with the truth. I got a lot of this from the book I've talked about a lot in here, The Emotionally Exhausted Woman by Nancy Collier. She's my therapist, and she is hot as hell. And you should check out her book. I'll link it. Duh, girl, you know I'll link it. Number three, identifying opportunities to say no. Opportunities to say no. Sometimes I will get up in the morning, and I, I try to choose like one of these off my list to focus on for the day. And I'll choose number three, opportunities to answer no. And I'm literally scouring the lands to say no to somebody. Not for no reason, like something I want to say no to. But I'm inclined to like, oh, maybe I'll make it work. Maybe I'll fit it into my schedule. Maybe I'll... No. The answer is no. The answer is no. Find opportunities in your day to say no. I know that everyone listening to this podcast is struggling with it. Um, The rest are kind of boring. Oh, I added a number zero. I penciled in a number zero at the top. Ha ha ha. After the fact. That said, no more boring men. This was a problem I got into. Okay, let me talk to you about this. I mean, I wrote that a while ago before I ended up dating this guy. And I will say he's not boring. Can, can confirm he is not boring. But I wrote that on my list because I noticed this pattern where I was dating these guys. Whatever. But they were so boring. They were so boring. They did not. I don't even think. I think like half these dudes like didn't even know that I was funny. I don't know why, I don't know what they think I was, but they like didn't really get that I was funny. These dudes did not get me. And what I realized I was doing is that I was dating these boring dudes and um, I would get really into like telling hilarious stories about them. I am, I am very good. I will say I'm very good at taking the stupid shit I do and turning it into a really funny story that makes me laugh taking some stupid situation I got into and turning it into a funny story. And that's kind of been my survival mechanism. But I was doing it to make it interesting to be dating a boring guy. I was like taking stupid things, stupid dramas or miscommunications or embarrassing moments and making them into stories. And then it felt like something was happening dating these guys. And then it felt like something interesting was going on. And then it felt like there was something to discuss or something to overcome because like, oh, this embarrassing thing happened or this miscommunication happened or this whatever. And it made it feel like something was going on. It made it feel like something was happening as opposed to me just being fucking bored by these guys. So I really, I noticed this pattern and that's when I decided no more boring men. That was like date. That was like rule number one going on a date. So I don't know what the, there's probably a lesson in there. I always love a lesson. Didn't you just say, Caroline, to stop trying to teach people? Anyhow, I do love a lesson. Sorry if I'm sounding a little loopy. It is midnight and I need to pack a bag and then catch a flight. Let's hit one last thing. Let's hit, let's hit something on a silly note. Okay. All right. This is a light one. I got several requests. I love you guys. 
Somebody said an update, please, on how have your dreams slash sleeping in general been? Better, I hope. I'm totally going to talk about how my dreams and sleeping have been. I've been sleeping much better. I've shared that I'm haunted. I'm pretty haunted. And I was pretty possessed through most of the spring, through most of the winter and spring. I would say I was pretty possessed. I was, it was getting a lot of hauntings, especially after having watched, um, I can't even say the name of the movie. <sighs> Hereditary. I'm doing a lot better. I had a crazy dream the other night. It was a sex dream. If that's going to make you listen, it was a sex dream. I had a crazy dream. And I'm going to share something. This is a safe place. Tell me this is a safe place because I have to share this dream. You cannot tell. When I explain it to you, it's not going to sound like a sex dream, but it was. Well, maybe it will, actually. Please don't judge me for this, okay? I had a dream. This is so crazy. I did not choose this. I don't know how to say that I didn't choose this, but I had a dream. (laughs) The more I keep repeating, I had a dream. I just imagine Martin Luther King getting up on a podium and talking about a sex dream he had, and it was this. Okay, I'm Martin Luther King Jr., and I had a dream that I was being fucked by a cat who looked like Tony Soprano. And it doesn't, it's not because I want to have sex with a cat. I can't explain. I can't explain why. This was not a bad dream. This is not a nightmare. This is a good dream. But I was having, I don't, listen, I'm going to put this on the internet. I don't care. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. You don't need to hide your cats from me. I don't think that there, I don't think there's a literal translation to these things. Listen, just hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I didn't choose this dream. And this is why it was still hot. This is why it was hot to have sex with a cat that sort of looked like Tony Soprano. Um, and here's the dynamic with the cat. Listen, it's a dream. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to shame me for my sex dreams. Listen, you've had weird sex dreams. I know some of y'all have had fucking sex dreams about your dad. Okay, you didn't choose that dream, and I guess you weren't turned on by that dream. I was turned on by this dream, so that's my bad. But I'm gonna tell you why. I am here to validate everybody's weird sexual fantasies. This is the thing about sexual fantasies is like, it's not what we really want to happen. I don't see cats and be like, hmm, looks good to me. I have never thought a thought about a cat. I've never, honestly, I've never even thought about cats until this moment. Like I didn't even know what a cat was. I don't think about cats in any way. I don't even, I don't think of them as friends even. Platonically, no, cats are not my friends. I mean, I don't dislike cats, but I don't think about them. But in the dream, the cat, what I love, none none of us, listen, shut up. Listen, whatever you're saying, shut up right now. None of us are having like politically correct, socially acceptable dreams. None of us are. Or wait, that's not what I meant to say. None of us, some of us are. None of us are having politically correct, socially acceptable fantasies. If you are, I would say you're not trying hard enough. If all of your fantasies are socially acceptable, A, I don't believe you, and B, I don't think your sex life is that good, okay? Maybe people disagree. Come at me in the comments. I've read the fucking DMs you guys send me. You guys are freaks. Obviously, I'm not alone in this. Let me justify, let me defend this, and you can tell me what you think. 
I'm going to say it one last time. I do not want to have sex with an animal. <laughs> I can't believe that I, that's how I'm going to end this podcast. But I am going to say that. I'm going to say that on a record. And secondly, I would like to say, I think what really worked about this sex dream was that it was, um, I felt pathetic. And that really does it for me. And it's different from humili- humiliation. I know some people are really into being humiliated. Something for me. Listen, I don't want to show all my cards here, but I will just, I'll leave it at that. Okay, I don't want to show all my cards, she says, after she tells you about her sex, cat sex dream. I, there's something to me about being made to feel pathetic. That's the sweet spot. I mean, it was not consensual sex with a cat. I was not consenting. The cat was in control. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that I, does that explain it better? Does that explain it better? And the other dynamic that I haven't explained yet is that the cat was um, there with like its owner. It's like overseer. The cat was whispering to the owner, kind of like, what's Voldemort's snake? Like the cat wasn't speaking English, but it was talking to the owner in like cat language. And then the owner would be like, oh, He says he wants to get you pregnant now or something like that. And the owner would like translate to me, but the owner was just watching. And um, it was kind of like that. Honestly, it was a lot the vibe of Voldemort and his snake, which is also, uh, we all know, a sexy vibe, both Voldemort and the snake. I think I've said this before, but some of the first smut literature I've ever read as a tween was Harry Potter erotic fan fiction. But... This is a dream I had. This is a recent dream I had. Does that answer your question of am I sleeping better? Somebody very nice asked this very kindly, and I'm really sorry. They asked if I was sleeping better, and I'm. they, they really asked it in a kind way, and I'm sorry that that is the answer I gave, but that's the truth. And number one on my list says speak the truth. <laughs> speak the truth and don't change it. So that's my truth. I don't. You don't have to hide your cats from me. I don't find them attractive. I do find it attractive in certain situations to be made to feel pathetic and that's my cross to bear do i want that in real life no i don't no i don't okay so i'm gonna leave you on that note i hope that you feel a little bit better about your weird fucking sex dreams i know they're weird i know you have a weird dream i know you have a weird fantasy I'm gonna have to send this to Jess for editing. I don't know if I can put this on the air. I just don't care. I think I just don't care. It doesn't actually embarrass me. This is the thing about embarrassment. Like, it's, 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 embarrassment has no power of you if you decide it's not embarrassing. Like, I don't care. I know we all have weird sex dreams. I just don't care. It's not interesting to me. I mean, it is interesting to me, but it's not embarrassing. Why do you think he looked like Tony Soprano, though, is my question. Like, he was like, he didn't look, he didn't have, like, a human face on him, but it was like, he looked like a real cat. Like, if you saw that cat in real life, you'd be like, that cat kind of looks like Tony Soprano. But it was definitely a cat. This has been Not For Everyone, podcast a lot of you did not sign up for. Something weird happens when I'm left to, when I'm left to my own devices. Something weird happens. I desperately miss my girl Jess. She is just a piece of pie. I have to go to bed immediately. I'm, I have, oh my God, I haven't even packed. Okay, I actually have to go pack. And I have to go to Jamaica in like four hours. Okay. You can follow us on the podcast. Nope, that doesn't make sense. You can follow us on Instagram and not for everyone with a number four. I'm going to say, what's my call out for today? Call out for today. I'm going to say share this podcast with a friend. Just share it with one friend that you're like, 
this friend is having fucked up sex dreams and I think this will be pretty comforting to her or him. Friend who's going through a breakup, we got a really dope ass breakup episode. Friend who's having trouble making friends in a new city, we got a really great making friends as an adult episode. Um, yeah, share it with a friend. That's really all. Love you to death, girl and boys and others. Kiss you on the lips. Okay, wait, no. I'm going to redo that outro. That was weird. I don't know what's happening. It's midnight. I have to go pack. Okay, I love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I'm talking Voldemort and Hermione. I'm talking Hermione and Malfoy. Poor Hermione was really at the center of most of it.